You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. Thanks for joining us once again on the Locked On Hornets Podcast. We're a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson, LOH. And you can follow our show handle at Locked on Hornets. No Doug today has other responsibilities to tend to, so I'm going to be going solo once again. Doug has left me out to dry a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. Doug taking care of himself, nothing new there. Um, just kidding, Doug has other responsibilities, so he's tending to them. One thing I want to talk a little bit about today is the Zach Lowe write-up about Cody Martin. Zach Lowe, as most of you know, has a weekly article on ESPN, 10 things I like and don't like for the NBA, whether it's that week or just a trend that's been happening. He mentions Cody Martin in a positive way. A lot of times, Zach Lowe will mention the Hornets in a negative way, but in a positive way. He mentions them, and he, and he specifically points out Cody Martin and his play this year and recently. So we'll mention that later on in the show. But I want to start off with Devontae Graham. And that probably isn't the best tease to you by now because you guys have probably grown tired of hearing me talk about Devontae. I find him a fascinating evaluation. I don't want to talk about him necessarily as far as how we evaluate him right now. I want to talk about Devontae Graham, the person, him growing into this identity in the NBA, how he gets better, what he wants to accomplish, because Rick Bennell has a write-up about him. I also talked about Devontae Graham with Tom Haberstroh on the wake-up call earlier today, and he had some interesting points about Devontae. So, Going back to Devontae, we all know about what happened this past week. He started off post-All-Star break with a couple of abysmal performances, making one field goal in two contests right after it. One of 17, I believe is what it was. Goes 0 for in one game, just one field goal in the other one. Then he sits against the Indiana Pacers. Malik Monk, before he was indefinitely suspended, Malik Monk gets his first career start. And Devontae Graham sits the pine. James Borrego mentioned that he might play him before the Indiana Pacers game, but he eventually would not play because they get destroyed, and there's no reason to throw Devontae in a game that already was decided basically when the ball was in the air for tip. So Devontae didn't play, and then he plays the next game against the New York Knicks, the second night of a back-to-back, immediately following that Pacers blowout. And Devontae has a fine game. Hits seven field goals, not a great percentage, but certainly not awful. Goes for over 20 points, has a handful of assists to add, so a a pretty nice game for Devontae there, and he desperately needed it, given the way that he had performed in the two games following the All-Star break, and really the trend that had happened for the last 30 games that I I keep discussing quite a bit. But in Rick Bennell's article about Devontae, he talks about Devontae's mindset and what he wants to accomplish long-term. I think it probably spawns from his sitting out the Indiana Pacers game because of the way that he had played post-All-Star break. And the article starts out, or the piece starts out, Devontae Graham used to dread the cold tub. No argument there. Have you seen those polar bear plunges where people jump into freezing water midwinter? That's essentially what pro athletes do daily to fight off inflammation. Sitting in tubs of water so chilled, it's painful. Devontae Graham says, I've got a new little method. First, I go in the steam room. Then I go in all the way to the freezing water, dunk under for like 30 seconds, then go out to the steam room, 
then dunk under again. Graham is striving for longevity. He aspires to play in the NBA, Rick says, for 15 seasons. That makes learning how to maintain his body a priority. And I instantly think of another comparison here. I instantly think of another example that we heard something very similar to this regarding the Charlotte Hornets. And I remember Jeremy Lamb trying to grow up as a player in the NBA. I remember listening to Jeremy Lamb talk about his growing maturity, how much he had to become an NBA player, how different it is going from college and immediately playing in the association, how tough it is to become an adult. And Jeremy became one in Charlotte. And, and you know, he always would refer back to an Oklahoma City Thunder player in the voice that he kept hearing in his head as he was trying to grow and develop in this league. And he would always go back to Nick Collison. And Jeremy brought this up, I don't know, a handful of times at least when discussing his improvement in the NBA. He would always discuss how Nick Collison constantly was on Jeremy to get in the cold tub. And it would go something like this. It would go Nick Coll- uh, Jeremy Lamb telling the story. Nick would say, you in that cold tub? You're not hitting the cold tub? Oh, man, you must not want those millions. You must not want those millions of dollars. Are you okay losing a million dollars today? Because that's what's going to happen if you don't get in the cold tub. It's, it's a big deal. It's funny, man. In this article that Rick writes, Rick Bennell mentions Marvin Williams, kind of acknowledging that Devontae, anytime he got in the cold tub, he would commend him for it. Because Devontae said later on, he said, quote, I want those 15 years. His goal is to play 15 years in the league. And that's a lofty goal for anybody, let alone somebody that comes into the league as old as he is, just turned 25. I think it was either this week or last week. So Devontae already a pretty old player for a second-year guy. And it's funny, I, I I go back to Jeremy Lamb trying to do all the right things that the veterans might teach you. Devontae, not only, not only did Devontae take a lot from Marvin Williams, but he also takes a lot from Kimball Walker, and we've seen it in his play so much. There's no doubt about that. But Walker still keeps close tabs on Devontae Graham, writes Rick. And, and some other things that Kimba taught Devontae, besides some of the plays and some of the, some of the strategy in which he uses in a game, you know, it, Kimba told Devontae, use the season to gather data on your strengths and weaknesses and then use the offseason to address those flaws. And we know that's what Kimba did. That's what Kimba told Devontae Graham to do. And we know how long it took Kimba to become an effective player, not only just an effective player, but an all-star in this league. And I don't know if Devontae has that type of ceiling that Kimba does. Kimba was lightning quick still. You know, finishes better at the rim than Devontae did. But at least Devontae has shown an ability to shoot from the outside much quicker than Kimba, even despite the second half of this season struggles. Devontae has shown an ability to hit from the outside at a way better clip than what Kimba did early on in Kimba's career. And so when we talk about evaluating Devontae Graham, there's no doubt that he has a lot to work on. Speaking with Tom Haberstroh, you know, Tom talks about how tough the evaluation is because of, Tom put it in a pretty good way. He, he said, he's got 30 feet range, but does he have three feet range? And he mentions Devontae Graham's floaters and how he's shooting 25% on those floaters this year. And that's why his two-point percentage is so low. It's something like 38% this season. It's the floaters. Tom Haberstroh also mentions as a good comp for Devontae Graham 
It would be Mike Conley. Mike Conley is someone who hasn't shot extremely well from three, but is certainly a threat from outside. Also someone that was able to live in the paint by utilizing floaters and having to get shots off that way because he's just so small going into the paint that he's got to find some sort of creativity to finish at the rim. And so he said Mike Conley's kind of that comp. And and I mentioned Mike Conley in a different way on the wake-up call not too long ago. I mentioned Devontae Graham kind of being that Mike Conley in the sense that, hey, maybe a ceiling for Devontae is being one of those best players that never makes an all-star game. Being one of those universal, quote-unquote, underrated guys, even though if everybody thinks that, he's appropriately rated. But being one of those guys, right? Like one of the first guys you think of that is underrated, maybe doesn't make an all-star game, but we would consider a really good basketball player. Like I think that's Devontae Graham's ceiling. And so even with all that being up in the air, I think one thing we can feel good about in evaluating Devontae is that we know he's going to work hard because that dude was constantly in the gym this summer. It's why he was so frequently featured on the Hornets' social medias because he was always there. It was Dwayne Bacon. It was Devontae Graham. I mean, those guys stick out as much as anybody in my mind as always being there. So when you're in July, when you're in June, and you're trying to promote whatever, right, just trying to stay in the people's minds as an organization, it was often those guys that they would feature. So Devontae working really hard, Kimba imparting wisdom, We've already seen Devontae Graham take a lot of Kimba Walker's game, but Devontae Graham, I, I think in all of the criticism that I and a lot of people have given him in the way that he's performed in really the second half of this season, I think that's some solace that you can take with Devontae. doesn't mean that he's going to be this great player, but there are some things to like for sure about Devontae that we've already known, but also we know that Devontae is going to work really hard, and he's got some lofty goals for himself in this league. We'll continue to talk a little bit more about some of the younger players' goals in this league. And Zach Lowe certainly likes one second-round pick in particular. We'll talk about that next here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Immediately going to another reading portion of the podcast, as I did with the article on Devontae Graham. I'm going to do that here with Cody Martin. I'm taking the easy way out, guys. I'm sorry. It's Friday. About to head into the weekend. Going solo. Doug can make fun of me when he comes back on on Monday. That's fine. I don't care. We're going to talk about Zach Lowe's piece on Cody Martin, and I'm going to read some of it for you. So... Zach Lowe, in the 10 things I like and don't like piece that he comes out with really every week during the NBA season, always some interesting stuff in there. Number seven is headlined, if Cody Martin can shoot, dot, dot, dot. Pretty enticing there. So we start to read, quote, that is one large career defining if, but I'm rooting for Martin to answer it, answer it affirmatively. He reads and feels the game at a high level. He shows a couple of clips. If you're familiar with Lowe's work, he usually likes to incorporate clips of some of the things that he's talking about within his piece. And he would go on after some of those clips he writes. He says, Charlotte has scored 1.253 points per possession on any trip featuring a Martin pick and roll. That's the 13th highest such figure among 280 players who have run at least 25 such plays per second spectrum data. He also goes on to write, that number is a little misleading 
because Martin has run only 103 pick and rolls and scores poorly out of them himself, but he might leave teammates with small advantages that make the next play a little easier. Martin also sports the 16th lowest turnover rate among those 280 players. And that's something I want to take a break on real quickly. You look at Cody Martin's turnovers in the preseason. I think that was something that was kind of a problem. I remember having Jonathan DeLong of At The Hive, and I think he talked about the primacy bias. Where Cody Martin, in the first game of that summer league session that happened this past offseason, Cody had a couple of turnovers and looked like he wasn't nearly as comfortable. Because remember, Mitch Kupchak, I think after drafting Cody Martin, said that they see him running some kind of point guard responsibilities in a pinch if they needed him to. And so they tried it out in the summer league where they had Cody Martin as a ball handler. And you know the first game didn't go all that well. But Jonathan came on and said that that might be some primacy bias in the way that we viewed what a lot of people thought was a poor summer league session for him. In reality, you look at his stats. He goes 14 of 30 the entire summer league, averaging 8.6 points per game on 23 minutes per game. So you, you heard the 14 for 30. That comes out to about 47%. Had 3.6 rebounds per game, 1.8 assists per game, and 1.4 steals per game. So Cody Martin coming in and actually having a pretty good summer league session overall, despite having a few turnovers in that first game. And then Zach Lowe in his write-up about Cody Martin talked about how he actually has the 16th lowest turnover rate among the 280 players that were measured in the pick and roll in the uh, pick and rolls when he's the primary ball handler or somebody that's actually involved in those pick and rolls. Zach would also write, he is 14 of 64 from deep. That comes out to 22%. Until that changes, he is a backup on a bad team and break in case of emergency deep reserve on a good one. But if it does change, Martin could become a legitimate rotation guy. His peripheral numbers, assists, rebounds, steals, indicate a smart role player. Zach seeing the same thing that we've seen in Cody Martin. I think all of us have become pretty excited about what Cody Martin can be as a second-round pick. There are two picks in this past draft that I was wrong about. I mean, Mitch Kupchak comes in and drafts what I think are a couple of safer players. And I wanted to shoot for, uh, I wanted to hit a home run on some of these guys. I wanted to shoot for a star. I, wa I wanted Kevin Porter Jr. has been very good in Cleveland. He looks like a hell of a player. But certainly it doesn't mean that I'm passing up on PJ. PJ's been great. Like I, I love what PJ has given you this season. And I love what Cody Martin has given you. And I know Cody was a guy that a lot of people made the joke, hey, they drafted the wrong twin. Well, they eventually got him too, but Cody has clearly been the better Martin twin. Defensively, Cody Martin has really good instincts. Offensively, he's got really good instincts. Man, if he can shoot, Zach Lowe's right. Cody's going to be a player in this league. Now, one thing that is a little concerning, it's a small sample size. He only averages, I think, about one and a half free throw attempts per game. But he's not shooting very well on those. He's shooting 63%. So Cody Martin's shooting overall, his free throw percentage, his three-point percentage, both of those has to go up. But Cody's got a nice feel to the game, as Zach writes, and it's something that we've all seen. This is something that you know a national NBA pundit is recognizing that we've seen ever since that he's kind of been implemented into the lineup a little bit more. And how fast did that happen? Cody Martin actually gave us some time early on this season. 
He's inactive the first game against Chicago. No big deal, right? A second-round pick. Don't expect him to play. Does play in the second game, 17 minutes, and then records at least some kind of run all the way up until November 18th. So from October 25th to November 18th, Cody Martin logs some type of run. Now, maybe that's a little misleading because in the first few games of the season, right, he, he logs 17 minutes in the second game, but then it's just just under two just under four, just under five, just under five again. And then in that Indiana Pacers win where Charlotte only won by two points in that game on November 5th against Indiana. Cody Martin plays 33 minutes, over 33 minutes. I think that was the first time that we looked at Cody and thought, oh, hell, he already provided something defensively. 11 total rebounds in that game for Cody. Had three assists, one steal only one turnover, and zero points. And if you look at the plus-minus column, he was plus 27 in that game. And then after that game, he plays 16-30 against the Boston Celtics, 21 minutes, 10 minutes, 21, 26, one minute, 10 minutes, and then he has a couple of DNP CDs. Only gets a couple of games where he gets some run here and there, then he goes back to the bench. Something that is not all too unfamiliar with James Borrego. He'll throw guys in and take them out and throw guys in and take them out, maybe at a little bit of a nuisance for some of us evaluators. But then he gets right back in there in mid-December, and there's a couple of games here and there where he's a DNP CD or an inactive, but, I mean, a second-round pick like that, even if he is an older player, even if he is 24 years old, Charlotte Hornets have something in Cody Martin. And Zach Lowe references something that Mitch, uh, Mitch Kupchak talked about in his philosophy of sending guys back to Greensboro and just taking chances on these younger players. You know, if a couple of them stick, if you get two rotation players, if you get one rotation player in some of these guys that are undrafted that you send down to Greensboro and use two-way contracts on or try to keep these guys up with 10 days, if any of them becomes a rotation player, that's a win. And that all goes back to the process in which we like that Mitch Kupchak is running with the Charlotte Hornets organization that we have not seen. Have one more segment to go before we wrap things up here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We come back next with one more segment on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You are listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And that was also a connection of a connection because the new Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, looks like the guy trying to defuse the bomb at the elementary school in Die Hard with a Vengeance, which I thought looked like John Hurd, a.k.a. Kevin McAllister's dad. A.K.A. Peter McAllister. I never would have got that. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Hornets do have a game on the road tonight against the Toronto Raptors. The Hornets are coming off of a win against the New York Knicks, and they had not won uh, since the Chicago Bulls win that they had immediately following the All-Star break, 103-93 get beat down by the Nets, get beat down by the Pacers, then they get that six-point victory over the New York Knicks. One thing maybe to watch for against the Toronto Raptors, because this one could get ugly. This, In fact, I imagine this one is going to get ugly. 20-point victory for the Raptors, maybe even garbage time in the third quarter before we, before we even get to the final quarter of action. So who knows what kind of players are going to see some time. Against the Knicks, though, when Borrego wanted to win that game down the stretch, 
Borrego did not go to Joe Chile in that game. Cody Zeller didn't play. Nick Batum didn't play. And we know about Malik Monk being suspended. So Joe Chile, the only guy not getting any kind of time that you would expect because they're young and whatever. He didn't get any time against the Knicks. But Cody Zeller didn't play. And, and we know that Cody had kind of had his minutes limited. And maybe that's because we know about his injury history. Maybe we know because of the limited time that he's had in the past, the second night of a back-to-back. Okay, maybe that's the reason. Um, I also think a lot of it has to do with putting Billy Hernan Gomez in there now because he's also a younger player in the NBA, and they want to see what they have with him as much as they possibly can. Even though I kind of feel comfortable about what Billy is already, James Borrego, for better or worse, they're, they're going to put Billy Hernan Gomez out there and, and see what he has to give you. And against the Knicks, he goes three of three from the field, did hit his only free throw that he took in that game. So seven points, three rebounds, did have four assists in this game. So showed uh, some nice passing ability against the New York Knicks. But the big man rotation, Bismack Biombo got a lot of minutes, 27 minutes in that game against the New York. Um, Billy Hernan Gomez, again, 19 minutes. And you look at Billy getting nine against the Pacers, 19 against the Knicks. I just am interested to see if that trend continues. In February, the only times he's played in February, it was against the Spurs, against the Magic, against the Rockets, 18, 21, 17 minutes there. Played 14 minutes against Detroit, 19 minutes against Minnesota. So in, in the month of February, he's been getting some minutes here and there. And I just wonder if you start to see Cody Zeller weaned out even further, right? I mean, is he going to play in this game nearly as much, or is it going to be all Billy and Biz? I can't imagine that would be too much of a surprise. Um, but the big man rotation is something that I'll be paying attention to. Also, just Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin got 14 minutes in that game against the Knicks. Caleb, two of four, one of three from three-point land, got a couple of rebounds against New York, only one turnover. So Caleb Martin... Also a guy, along with Jalen McDaniels, who has been probably the the biggest bright spot as far as any of the G League call-ups. Jalen McDaniels, somebody that has been getting a lot of run here as of recently. That'll do it for the Locked On Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks again for joining us to close out the week. Remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Have a good weekend, everyone. We'll be back with you on Monday.